the nature of your emergency. Welcome back to the Tactical Living Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, joined by Detective Walton. Clint, how are you? I'm good. You and I just got back from Washington, D.C., and I thought that for the next few episodes, we could pull some of the information as well as some new information that I've learned after the fact in order to bring it to the people that didn't have to suffer <laughs> going to D.C. like we did. <laughs> so to everybody listening, just sit back, relax, and enjoy today's content. Now, I've titled this episode, what did I title this one? You won't believe what I learned when I went to the Capitol. And Clint and I were very fortunate to be in contact with our congressman's office and were given a private tour of the Capitol. And if you've never been to the Capitol, as I hadn't, the entire time that we we're going through the tour, I couldn't help but try to identify all of the different pictures that I've seen from January the 6th. And it made it difficult for me to enjoy the tour in and of itself, because to me, the Capitol now has this massive connotation to January the 6th. So I was, I was picturing everybody that I have seen, all of the arrests that happened thereafter, and then all of the legal proceedings and all of the footage that has been released from that day, I was just, oh yeah, I recognize that. I recognize that. And once I was able to try to dull that a little bit, I was paying closer attention to what our tour guide was educating us on, and she was fantastic. And it surprised me to learn that a majority of Congress, their job, their duties, and what our taxpayer dollars are wasted on is in far more of excess than I ever could have imagined. There is this room in the center of the Capitol where there are statues that represent every single state within our country. And a good deal of the time during the tour, which lasted about almost 90 minutes, our tour guide was talking about how Congress has to vote on replacing these statues and she was talking about how cumbersome of a process it is for them to decide what statue to replace it with. They were talking about all of the random ideas, like using Mickey Mouse and what were some of the other ones? Was it Kim Kardashian or was that just <laughs> someone that I had brought up? No, like those are the most ridiculous types of propositions for replacing the statue. And in my mind, this is an incredible statue that is already existing there. And I have no idea why we would need to waste money on replacing it in the first place. Nonetheless, to make it something that's the woke idealization of California to represent us as a state. Yeah, it's something that like these ideas that she were she was talking about. It was just I mean, they have certain rules and guidelines they have to follow with it. And people are passing around petitions on, Oh, what statue are we going to put out there? And then it gets down to a vote. And even something as simple as a color of a wall inside the Capitol, like it's, it's just crazy what we're spending money on to decide as a, as a Congress in total. Yeah. And you know, the tour started out where we're walking down this long hallway and it's, um, it's all art. So every 
year, is it every year? Yeah, every year. Yeah, every year, artists, depend. it doesn't matter actually what their age is, they get to submit their work. And if it's voted on by your Congress, your congressman, then it gets to be displayed for the year in this sort of art gallery. And as we're walking down this long hall, she starts to tell us that although we have to walk down these halls to get down into the chambers and everywhere that all of the political heads that you might be used to seeing on television, um, they don't have to walk down those halls. They actually have separate halls with their own tram, so they don't have to walk at all. And I'm like, we pay for that too? Yeah. I've never heard that we had a tram in fucking Congress so that they don't have to walk. Have you? So, no, I've never heard of it. But if, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's for the Senate. So this from the Senate offices to the Capitol, they have their own specific tram. For the Congress side, they don't have a tram. They only have the tunnels. Which doesn't make any difference in terms of no. the point that I'm trying to get. No, no, and that's not not what I'm saying. Is it's just it's it's such a and and it's actually funny. My mom brought this up. Oh, did you get to ride on the tram to go from from the building to the Capitol? And I'm like, no, that's. And I explained to her it's on the Senate side, and and I'm and that's where I started talking to her. Like it's just a waste of money. Like it's not that far. Like any one of us can walk that distance. And, and I do understand there's a lot of elderly people and who are in Congress or who in the probably Senate. shouldn't be working their job if they can't have the means, you know, the bodily function to be able to perform their job. Yeah. Such as walking to their seat. Well, according to the ADA, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so it got me thinking about a lot of things and I had a difficult time enjoying myself during the tour of the Capitol because of the, January 6th debacle, and then everything that our tour guide made mention of, it was a giant waste of time and a giant waste of money when it comes to the actual job that the people within our capital do. And mind you, that's not their only job. But for that to be any part of it, it made me feel very ashamed that there is not transparency to the everyday taxpayer to where we know where our money is being spent. Because I can guarantee you, if you knew that your taxpayer dollars were being spent so that an hour debate could take place just to be able to decide whether or not there should be colors on a statue in the Capitol, like that blew my mind. And as we're walking on Capitol Hill and I'm looking around at all of these people, I always had this impression before being there myself that People on Capitol Hill are these affluent, successful individuals. And it wasn't until talking to somebody on the inside, having private conversations, to where I started to think deeply about the truth. And the truth is that most of these people make very little money, very little money in comparison to what we might think they should make. Most of these people are not as affluent as one might think, because they don't own any property. Why would you own a house if you're living in DC? They don't own a vehicle. Why would you if you're living in DC? And it started to allow me to reflect on the different ways that we each view success. And to them, having those accolades, having their names known, having the ability to name drop because they've been at the same table or in the same room with somebody else, Those types of things are what makes them feel like they're successful. 
And I further know this to be true because we, we sat down at a kitchen table with somebody who was this exact demonstration of this. And then I started to think about the difference between the way that I view success. Now, I, I believe Clint and I have worked very, very hard. We just had our 15-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. To be able to feel like we are successful individuals. And this is not for the sake of being able to flaunt the things that we have. In fact, people are very shocked when they come to our home or they see the things that we've had, we have, or we talk about the, the various countries we visited or experiences that we've had. But I started to think about what really feels successful within my own life. And this is going to sound so simplistic, and it is. To me, one level of success is having a gym in my home that is bigger than most people's houses. Why does that make me feel successful? It has nothing to do with the comparison of me to anybody else. That feels successful to me because I compare it to the gym that we had at our first house. Mm -hmm. I compare it to how much I hate going to a public gym, how much I refuse to go to a public gym. I think about the way that I feel and the pride that I have by being able to walk into that gym in the morning. That makes me feel successful, knowing that I have that and that belongs to me. And there are many other smaller things, but it's, it's the essence of the difference between what you view as success versus what somebody else might view as success. And it's never going to be the same. However, it can be easy to get caught up in the minutia of comparing ourselves to what other people deem to be success and then thinking that we have to have that too. And it's just not true. You know, it's something everyone has their own, their own like marking points of where, like Ashley said, is identifying their level of success. And, and it could be your name remembered in history, your name on a plaque inside a governmental building, you name it. it like, or it could just be you, you drive up the driveway and this is successful. You have a driveway, you own a driveway. <laughs> like it sounds so, so minuscule and it sounds so just stupid, but you really look at it. You own a driveway to drive you to a place that you call home. And and that's just on the outside level. Like it's it's the land that you live on, just everything. And and something that Ashley's she's touched on, but when we we were taking the metro around in DC and seeing just everything, all the sites and doing all that stuff and and you see it's just a different type of living. These people who are on the metro, they're wearing fancy clothes and nice shoes, nice ties, nice dresses, whatever it may be, and they look very professional and very fancy. But the reality is is what is their success? You know, they show this outside persona, but what is marking their success for themselves? And the judgmental side of me wants to be like you poor thing, I should have empathy for you. But the truth is that that is their success. That is what they're happy doing. That is what they know. Whereas me sitting there and observing this, I'm like, I drive a a Z4 in a 4,000 square foot home and you're riding the Metro wearing a suit that probably took up like three months worth of your salary. But that's where I, I, tried to numb that judgmental side of me 
and to recognize that that's their reality. That's, that's what they're living in. They don't know what I'm living in. They certainly don't know that I'm sitting here thinking about these things in front of them right now. And the whole point to this episode, as you've listened to this, is my hope that you'll be able to identify what your own level of success is. What does your success level look like right now? And what do you want it to look like in the future? Not in comparison to anybody else's, but what do you truly want? What will make you feel like you've made it and make you feel like you're on the right path? I hope you've gotten some value out of today's episode. If you have, do us a favor, drop a review, subscribe down below. And as always, know that I'm sending you a long, tight hug from my home to yours.